You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Take those really extreme dissonant riffing styles with a lot of um, sliding chords and stuff and apply that over less conventional beats. The thing being is, irrespective of, of whether people agree or disagree, blast beats, fast techno beats... They overlap with each other perfectly. They overlay. There is not much difference and you can interchange between them quite quickly and it doesn't affect the sound massively or, in my opinion, create too much of a you know freak out for your brain. It's just a matter of riding that wave and finding that right edge to um, have both of them in a track. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound, Talent, Media, and Evergreen Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. Hope you had a killer weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and if you are ever in Montreal and you are looking for a great show to go to, well, trust me, Heavy Montreal will have you covered. They put on a bunch of amazing gigs all year long. So trust me, if you're looking for something cool to do when you're visiting Montreal, Heavy Montreal will have you covered. And beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Are you in a band? Would you love to have your band's song featured in an upcoming Vox and Hops episode? If that would be the case, then you should definitely send me a message, write me an email. You can do that by hitting up Matt at VoxenHops.com. That's M-A-T-T at V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. Send me a message and I will hook you up and I will tell you all about being a part of the Vox and Hops Artist Spotlight segment. I love doing this. I love shining some light on killer bands. If you're in a band, you're launching a brand new song, you want to get a little bit more exposure for it, well, the Vox and Hops Artist Spotlight is there for for you to do exactly that. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hobbs Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that just loves electronic music and metal, well, you should definitely let them know that the Vox and Hobbs Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 400 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you were to encourage one of your electronic and metal music-loving friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to be with Colin Cadell of Monsters Around Us. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 418. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm very stoked with Colin Cadell of Monsters Around Us, a very cool project based out of Australia, a project that I happen to do guest vocals for. Hypothetically, we'll do more stuff. Uh, Colin uh, is a member of the Thirsty Thursday gang. He came to a few hangs back when the uh, world was collapsing in 2020. And instead of just staring blankly at his computer screen, he came and hung out with uh, like-minded metalheads and drank some beers, maybe too early in the morning, because he's in Australia. I love speaking to people <laughs> in Australia because they're in the future, and I, I just think that's that's a fucked up thing to think about. Uh, <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, it's uh, I think I was saying it's 10 a.m. here, so it's pretty early. Um, but, you know, I'm here to hang out and have a chat and say good day to everyone and, you know, get to know you guys a bit better because it's been a while since we've been trying to, you know, actually have a talk for a little bit, so it's kind of cool to finally have one because... We've chatted on the internet so much. I don't know if you'll remember this. The last time Cryptopsy 
toured Australia, I shot footage at the Brisbane show. No way. No, I see. I did not remember that. I do remember the tour. It was in 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send you that. I I'd love to see that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Halothane glows up somewhere, so we'll find it. But oh, yeah, because no, I, I do totally like video do. work. I, what's the name of that bar? Um, Crowbar. Yes, yeah, so no, I 100% remember that. That was a killer yeah. tour. I, I revisited all my tours uh, about a mm-hmm. week and a half ago, two weeks ago, because um, here in Canada, we have Medicare, which is free health care. And I'm yep, doing yep. my 10 year renewal. And they were, I guess they're hunting, trying to find people that are no longer living in the province of Quebec. And uh, they, they were like, you need to list every time you left the province of Quebec for more than 21 days consecutive. And I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, how am I going to oh, do screwed. this? But what was really cool was what, was, what was it? Bands in Town or Last FM or, or I think it's Bands in Town has every yeah. Cryptopsy show listed and it's incredibly accurate. Uh, I guess it's like a crowdsourced thing. And there was mm-hmm. like even gigs as I was going through and I was like, oh yeah, totally forgot about that. So I do remember that tour very well and my Medicare card debacle helped me remind yeah, no. me of when it was i was gonna say we've got medicare here as well so i know fully what you're talking about the same sort of government funded thing and it just yeah it creates a bit more chaos it's, it's like cool to have it but yeah you know governments be governments you got to be patient if you want to get anything done that's for damn sure but it's free exactly uh, vox and hops yeah. is all about hanging out with my metal friends talking about their lives and music while sharing uh killer craft beers uh, this by the way i forgot to say we are recording this at a thirsty thursday live interview uh, with the thirsty thursday gang a wonderful group of humans from around the globe Globe. Um, first Thursday of each month, I conduct a live interview, and Colin is that guest this month for the month of June. So, what are you going to be drinking on your side tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., Colin? In the future, In where the I'm future hiding. Future yeah. world. Yes. Um, yeah, no, being being June second at the moment is a little bit weird when it's June first for you guys. It still feels it's weird. So for many, me, like so. when we're trying to like figure out, like I give you my time, and you're like, okay. It, does that mean I, I think I've got does this, this make sense? <laughs> and I'm like, it's this time exactly right now for me. <laughs> what the time is way it to for check. you? I, I feel like that's yeah. from experience that's the one that works the best. Well, exactly right. So, um, no, on my side, I'm actually going to have from the guys that you're doing your collab with. Hell yes. Uh, Black flag. So the, the, yeah, the pit culture thing. So this is their um, Astropunk, which I think is an IPA. Oh, no, it's an XPA, sorry. Amazing. So. Yes, I'm very stoked. And it's actually a Vox and Hops head that introduced me or put me on the trail of Black Flag. They signed up to my mailing list, which if you are listening, people sign up to my mailing list. You can do it at my website, uh, voxandhops.com. You'll get prompted to sign up to my mailing list. He sent me a message um, saying that, uh, are there going to be any Australian breweries involved in Pit Culture, which is my massive global beer collab with um, Yakima Chief Hops and Metal Injection. And he said, if you do not have one, you should definitely hit up the peeps at Black Flag, which is exactly what I did. And Steve immediately wrote back and was just amazingly positive about the idea and they will have a beer coming out shortly so i'm excited about that too bad it wasn't prepared for this chat that would have been super sick but they're great uh their branding's cool very metal and i've heard the beer is delicious so you you let me know how is that beer um well first let's, let's have a look for you guys that have video it's nice it's, it's very very nice it's got a nice amber hue bitter not like full-on west coast bitter where it just dries your mouth out but bitter it's got a bit of like a hazy funk to it still which I always kind of dig in like most beers. Um, really easy to drink. It's like I think it's like five point one percent or something. So it's not like super super heavy or anything. Perfect for ten a.m. 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. I was like, oh, I don't want to be having like any no. of the crazy ones because I was having like the day would be over. <laughs> well, well, I was having smoothie sours, and um, I think it was a what is it like blueberry and nectarine smoothie sour from a place in Brisbane called Range Brewing, um, and it is like. I think I listened to way too much of that Copper Crab podcast that Cheney yeah. and Naveen yeah, yeah, do. Them, yeah. um, and as, as they would call it, it's a certified dick ripper. Yes. Um, yes. I've it is like, a, I think it's 3.2 standard drinks in a can. Ooh, okay. So so it's like dangerous. a nine, nine point something percent or eight it's like point a, something an imperial, percent. an imperial smoothie sour. Yeah. It is. It's extremely heavy. It's and it, the thing is, it tastes like juice. There is no. It doesn't taste heavy at all, and you can drink way too much of it way too quickly. And yeah, you don't want to be having more than a can or maybe two of that. You're gonna have a rough night. Well, especially at ten. If you start at ten in the morning, on my side, I'm gonna be drinking a special beer, um, a Vox and Hops collab, um, not from Pit Culture, but from my Haze Wars, which is where I paired six killer um hazy beer making breweries from here in the province of quebec basically like the most popular breweries i put them head to head i challenged them to use a particular hops hbc 586 from yakima chief hops yakima chief sponsored haze wars uh, hooking up all the breweries with all the hops they needed for free for their entire brew of this batch of beer. So this awesome. is actually the winner. So I have uh, Sir John's. They have uh, this monohop series going on. Le Matif is what they call it. If my This is their monohop 586 uh, Yakima Chief. And it was actually the winner. So so very cool of awesome. Sir John for making a winning beer. And I think they sort of won because it was actually not hazy. And when you drank six beers that were identical, but one of them was just slightly a little bit different. And everyone at the, the the competition was like, that beer is different because it's not hazy. It's more clear. And it was almost like they were criticizing it because it's hazy mm-hmm. wars and it should be hazy. But I think because of that, they ended up winning it because it stood out in comparison to yeah. everyone else. I'm going to pour this out. I would love to hear yeah. about your very first beer. Oh, my first beer. Um, oh, God. You know, I'm Australian. Most people start too young. Uh, prob- probably stealing something off dad at a barbecue or something when I was like, you know, 10 or 11, something very light. And I probably hated it. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm someone who was more of a, um, say when I, when I was younger and started drinking properly when I was 18, I was, I was someone who went out and drank more like horrible vodka Red Bull and had heart attacks the next morning. Oh yes. Um, I was one of those sorts of people, but I also used to be about, uh, 140 kilos back then so i lost like 74 kilos holy holy shit <laughs> which was a massive amount so i went from triple xl to a medium oh, um, holy shit which is like a massive life change and then after that i like basically quit drinking yeah pretty much a person <laughs> so um i quit drinking after that and then got back into it probably when i was in my late 20s and then at that point i was like oh I don't want to just be drinking, you know, rubbish from a bottle or a bottle shop, as you know, we call it here. Um, so I decided to be going out with friends who were a bit more clued in. I thankfully have a couple of mates who are microbrewers at home and independent brewers. So, you know, and they're not people who work at breweries or anything, but they're people who have entered stuff into competitions and actually had, like, cans at shops available and stuff through other breweries, like doing collabs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, like, contract brewings because they won the competition. Yeah, exactly right. So, um, yeah, I 
my yeah drinking history isn't that exciting sadly <laughs> it's probably better in recent years well i think it's interesting the 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 fact that you took a break and then you lost a person inside you and came back drinking better beer so so cheers to that this is cheers. the haze lord 2023 uh vox and haze lord from sir john brewing mm, keen to see what it's like it's cool it's like got a melon vibe it's really smooth slightly dry finish it's gorgeous. It's not. It's like still hazy, but compared to the other ones, the other ones were like just orange juice, mm-hmm. but still very good. I've en- I've enjoyed a bunch of the other, like afterwards in cans and stuff, and um, they're all enjoyable. But this one has like a. It's it's a little special because it was the winner. But <laughs> yeah, well, it, it it does make a difference. I know it sounds kind of. Uh inane but you know getting that label on it actually does mean something you know and and like you were saying it stood out in a row of a whole bunch of hazies and i think one of the things with that is like a lot of breweries at least for my personal palate i find they'll stick to very similar um hop profiles Mm -hmm. and i think like you were saying is that little change of doing something a bit different even if it pushes it slightly out of the realm but it still qualifies is often enough to really make something stand out in a competition because of the fact you've just got, you know, you're having the same sort of flavor for six things in a row. It was so difficult, just one hop profile. Even the breweries were like, I think this is mine because it was all blind, right? So the only person (laughs) that knew, which is theirs, was these guys because it was so much clearer than everyone else. And he's like, that's mine. But... It was a cool experience, and I'm excited to do it again. We've already locked in the next idea, the next oh, uh, rendition of it coming up in 2024. Take me to the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up in your parents' or guardians' house. What music was playing when you were not control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? Oh God, um, so I was pretty lucky. I grew up in like a very artistic household. Um, my dad's a sculptor. No way. By trade. So he does like soapstone and sandstone sculpting. He did, he did high school art teaching and then he branched out into like teaching marine biology. So he got a scuba instructor license and all this other stuff. It was, he's a pretty crazy dude. That's something um, you can do in Australia. I like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, like I grew up on a boat for part oh, of my really? life. My dad decided to build a yacht in our driveway when I was about five or six, I think. He built it himself by hand, a 36-foot yacht, just going, I, I can apply sculpting skills to building a boat. Um, and we ended up living out on that. So I'd, like, get picked up from school, driven to, like, a jetty mooring, go out in a dinghy, get on the yacht, go out into the bay. Um, but, yeah, like, music-wise. What, what would they do? He would bring people out on the yacht to yeah, yeah, scuba yeah. dive. No, no, no. That was just, like, literally it was more like an extra house for us. Wow. It was, it was just a place to live. So I'd, like, it little tv with a little nes down the bottom and used to sit down there playing video games late at night and stuff and it was kind of a bit of a trip out growing up like that i can imagine Um, yeah yeah, but music wise um sort of started out mum and dad played a lot of opera music and just classical music in general um which was cool because i liked that stuff growing up it was very entertaining and a lot of musical theater like gilbert and sullivan stuff like pirates of penzance and mikado and uh, west side story things like that like uh, a lot of musical theater and i liked that as a kid as well because i used to do um like backing vocals for productions of like oliver and things like that doing fagin's gang and things like that so. i totally was an orphan in high school <laughs> yes i had yes. the uh, what was it I can't remember. 
the, the, the food, glorious food, cold jelly and custard. custard. That, was my, that was my line. That was my first solo in a, in a production. I don't think I've ever said that on the podcast before. That's funny. Okay. Hey, <laughs> it, man, like we all have like a past like that. And I find oh, most yeah. people who've done vocals at all in their life are like that. So yeah, great seven. Yeah, exactly. I was probably, yeah. I was probably about that age, maybe a little bit younger. Um, yeah, and other than that, on like the heavier side, my dad always listened to Black Sabbath and things like Meatloaf and stuff like that. So I grew up with yes. a lot of Meatloaf rules. My dad loved Meatloaf. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I can't hate it. It's so goddamn catchy. It's so good. And because of that Oliver thing, I've said mm. this story on the podcast, was that I was trying out for some show in Two Mountains. And I was singing Two Out of Three Ain't Bad by Meatloaf as the audition <laughs> as a seven. Like I was in grade seven. So I'm what, 12, 13. And the song is so mature that mm. the lady that was judging this competition was like, you can't sing this and just didn't let me into the competition. But she came and said, you should try out for the play. Oh. And then I ended up singing the, the cold jelly and custard line, which is very different than you know, I want hey, you, I need you, but there ain't no worry. I'm ever going to. I can't remember. <laughs> exactly. Um but yeah, so so went through that sort of a background growing up, and then I started playing instruments. So like, both my myself and my brother, shout out to Adam. Um, older or younger? Older. He's two years older than me, so okay. I'm 38. So um, your brother's an 83 baby. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm an 85 kid, so it's it's kind of funny. It's good. Good. We're both uh, born on 25ths of a month. It's sort of bizarre, like weird alignments. Um, but yeah, he, he was kind of the guy that got me into, um, heavier music as I was growing up because I didn't listen to a hell of a lot. I got into Pantera when I was probably like 11 or 12, dabbled toes into like Slayer, but didn't get into a lot. And I still remember my brother giving me like a cassette tape when I was in maybe grade eight or nine. So early high school age for us. And it had, um, was it one side was dying fetus. <laughs> And the other side was pyrexia. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, so some balls. <laughs> I still remember here. chucking that on and being like, "What is this? What have I been listening to? What have I done with my life?" <laughs> and then it was just a deep rabbit hole from there, pretty much. So, but like, we're both classical mus- musicians originally. I'm a clarinetist. Um, really? I've I've played since I was six. But by by choice, or was it something that? Was was encouraged, yeah. No, no, no. My, my parents were like, do music, do art, whatever you want to do, go for it. Um, but they were happy to for us to pick whatever. I actually just liked clarinet because everyone else gravitated towards saxophone. And it sounds really funny, but there's less positions for a clarinet as you're growing up, particularly for lead parts in pieces. Mm-hmm. So I, I was already in that mindset of like, how do I do something where I can like do more than the average player does just like molding into like 10 people in a section when it's actually like three people in a section. Smart. So you tend to stand out and you have to be a bit more precise. And I kind of always enjoyed that. Um, my brother's got a PhD in violin, um, <laughs> which is, so he's, he's, he's a career musician. He, he's um, yeah. He does like weird avant-garde gypsy music really? and uh, folk music, but he, he's mainly, he's, I would blame him solely for getting me into black metal eventually. Um, he's a massive black metal person. So <laughs> that is super sick. And if my memory corrects me, and I feel like I've written you about this, you came to a thirsty Thursday hang. You mentioned your brother wrote a paper or a thesis about metal. Yeah. Um, he wrote, I, I'm pretty sure. And I could be wrong. So, 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 you know, it's been a little while, but he's, his master's thesis, I believe was on the similarities between black metal and the romantic period of classical music. That's so sick. 
Yeah, so he's done some pretty crazy stuff. He's had some pretty gnarly papers published. He's played over in, like, Finland at, like, experimental music festivals and in New York with some of the guys he's written about before. That's Um, amazing. So, yeah, he seems to have had a pretty cool time. He's also lived in, like, Ghana and he's travelled through remote China and stuff like that, so he's had a pretty crazy life. More Uh, crazy than mine. I I, I just travel for gigs and, like, I go to places like Germany and Japan and things things like that. You're you're only 38 years old, so you never know where you're going. There's always time. (laughs) Back to the the dying fetus pyrexia split. Yeah, yeah, sorry. What was it about it that that captivated you? Mentioned that you you were a classical music enthusiast. What was it that that I'm imagining it was the similarities between between the two? But what was it about that that really captivated you? And then took you that further step further down the rabbit hole Mm-mm. so for me it's it's for me i guess it was like the complexity at first because most metal at that point i'd been listening to like i said was panter and things like that probably testament and slayer which are all great bands but they have very i'd almost describe it a meat and potatoes structure like they have the solid mm-hmm. backbeat they have the heavy riff heavy bass line to thicken that up and a lead vocal hearing something like dying fetus for the first time and just hearing continuous blasts and people just going <laughs> over the top the entire time you just seeing them going holy shit what is going on next level yeah <laughs> i love it i love it your first shows being from australia i know that it's more restrictive than let's say being from here in montreal um what would have been the first live music experience first show that you went to go see i think it was probably when i was like in my 16 or 17 they used to have a god i can't even remember the name i think it was called overcranked it was a metal festival in brisbane and they were all ages thankfully so i could get in being under 18 even though it was a licensed deal they just had you know wristbands and security everywhere checking and you know usual deal um i think it's amazing every club should do that let the kids come to the show well it was really big here when i was growing up see that was the cool thing it was the laws were a lot less restrictive so it happened a lot more. So I got to go to a bunch of those festivals. Like I remember that Overcranked for me was big because it was my first kind of like, ooh, international metal band I'd been to, you know. The headliner was Skin Lab. That's pretty sick. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is rad, you know, being being 16 and just sort of like, you know, jumping around the place like an idiot, trying yes. not to get destroyed by drunk older people <laughs> who were just <laughs> moshing furiously. Um, but then after that, I think... The biggest one I remember was the next gig, which was actually seeing um, Judas Priest with Ripper Owens oh, yeah. on vocals, which, like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'm, I'm not a Ripper person, you know, Halford, etc. I I think they both equally have incredible voices. Um, and it was just a hell of a fun time because I'd always wanted to see Priest. And then after that, it just became like a cavalcade of like a million shows you know that blur into one after you see too many bands that is correct talk to me about um becoming a vocalist the schoenberg automaton you were the vocalist for that uh, talk to me about becoming an extreme vocalist uh, going from clarinet to vocals is something that makes sense and now that i'm saying it i'm there's like something that's tying in who used to do clarinet or flute work and is an incredible vocalist and i feel is it ollie from archspire I feel like I could be right about that. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, talk to me about taking the leap from clarinet to extreme vocals. Well, well, so uh, I had mentioned I'd done like backing vocals for, you know, mm-hmm. show tunes and things like that. 
Um, as I got later into high school, I started dabbling in like opera and whatnot to see just what really? my voice could do. Yeah. Well, like it's interesting because you can really kind of learn things about what you can and can't do as a vocalist once you're like trying to really push that sort of volume and sound. Do you feel like there is actually a human limitation or is it something that can always be learned? I think you can always learn the breadth of your ability but you know like some humans can't sing x number of octave ranges because of their voice box or their mm-hmm. tonal range or whatever that's just part of nature so um but yeah of course most people can be trained to do anything um i've i've had the luck and displeasure of being trained up trained up and then having issues so i'll get to that but um, I'm, I'm building towards that as well yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I ended up, uh, my first project was a band called Apex Null, which was just a, me and a bunch of friends from school um, after we were 18. That was kind of like, let's say, an attempt at like Opeth meets The Haunted. So thrashy elements with some progressive bits. That, that's a band I'd want to listen to. Yeah. Well, well it, was, it was fun too. Like for a first band, it was really sick. Um, then I just started getting into more extreme stuff. You know, the usual thing with your first, a lot of people's first bands, you kind of all go different ways. People have families, etc. cetera. Um, and I still just kept going down the rabbit hole of how much more extreme can it go? Do I want to do thrash vocals? Would I rather do stuff like Frank Mullen or, you know, yourself? with cryptopsy you know something more extreme and intense so before schoenberg became a thing i was in a band called cross the lips of grace i ended up joining after they did like all their recordings so i'm not on any of the recordings but i was in the band for about two or three years and cross the lips of grace when we disbanded the bass player from that ended up joining schoenberg and became a member of that and most people would probably know our lead guitarist because our lead guitarist from Cross Lips of Grace is Andrew Marsh, who's the lead guitarist in Die Out Is Murder. Holy so shit. We, well, we used to play shows with them, like co-headlining and stuff when we were starting out. So that's where the all ages thing comes in because we used to play like PCYCs mm. and it would be like 500 kids in a PCYC just throwing down. It was pretty hectic. <laughs> a lot of fun. So, And then that led into Schoenberg and Schoenberg's where I met... I will probably say some of the most insanely talented musicians I've ever worked with. Complete freaks. I can't even attempt to understand how they wrote music like that. I just got up and grunted a lot. Um, as, as I always say to people when they ask about doing vocals, I'm like, yeah, I, I just used to scream at things. Um, <laughs> whereas they really put the effort in. Like, that music was technical as shit. Um, and, yeah, so I did Schoenberg for a while, and then we were doing a run of tours i didn't realize i had gotten like a chest infection i thought it was like just a basic cold you know we've all pushed through some sort of sickness or lurgy when you're on tour you have to you have to yeah, exactly you know you know the drill you just got to um and i remember after a set just going oh it just feels really really shit like really bad i could talk everything was fine as far as that went next morning i woke up talking wasn't fun it felt really like raspy um a couple of days later i coughed blood up so that was obviously an issue um so i went to a vocal specialist and so an uh, ent ear nose and throat specialist um and you know they did all the cameras and all that jazz down the throat and get you to do shapes and everything so my actual um voice like the main part of my voice i didn't have nodes i haven't damaged it like that 
But what I caused is a reasonably rare condition called a supraglottic constriction. Um, I was described as sounding like, you know, a special move by Zangief in Street Fighter. It's such a weird term. Um, and then basically what it does, and I know people at home can't see it, but think of a triangle. That's your vocal folds. And almost like someone playing a sport who can pull a hamstring or something like that, you basically just go, Dwing! and wow. one of them just like partially detaches. Um, and then it's a long process of vocal therapy. Um, I had to have some upper palate surgery to Holy help shit. with the relaxing of the muscles. I had a sinus reconstruction from it. Um, yeah, I went through all, a hell of a lot all, of shit. All this from extreme vocal. Yeah. But it wasn't wow. bad technique or anything. I just literally didn't realize I had a chest infection, stopped using diaphragm, and was going from the base of my throat, which is not something I ever do. And I just completely fried it. Bam. Holy shit. Okay, so I take it back. Now, do not sing when you're sick. People cancel the show. You never know. <laughs> I would say happen. don't. That's why I, I never, I always see that now when people are like, yeah, I can't do a show. I'm, I'm feeling a bit rough. And I'm like, I have no hate for you. Just yeah, do yeah. your thing, rest cancel up. Cancel and throw the mic into the crowd and let. Well, you like, know. you know, um, guitarists and stuff, you worry about hurting your hands and stuff, but uh, surgically, fingers and things are a lot easier to repair than a voice box. Holy shit. Okay, so that's intense. I didn't know it was that intense. I knew that it was something that happened to your voice, but... Yeah, I had to go see a, a, a opera specialist, uh, like a vocal specialist for to about really a year how to and speak a half. even type thing? Um, I could talk. I couldn't control volume the same as I used to. I still don't, so I apologize if it goes up and down sometimes, because... Um, the other joy I had from it is um, I already had some sinus problems and you can get what's called a dysfunctional austation tube, so more medical rubbish, which is basically the, your inner ear is partially collapsed and it can't be reinflated. It's like what kids get grommets for when they're really young. Yes. Um, so I've got that. I've had that for like 10, 12 years. I've tried to work on it, work with my ENT on it and stuff, but it's just one of those things that it qu can just keep closing up again um and yeah that's that's fun to get used to because it's almost like that feeling if you know when you get out of a shower and you've got a bit of water, water in, your in your ear yeah, it's horrible it's the most irritating well, well every morning i wake up with that and i have to do Holy like equalizing shit. yeah really? it feels like there's just something moving in there um it's really bizarre you get used to it after a while so it doesn't hurt it doesn't cause ringing or anything i don't have like bad tinnitus or like a general discomfort yeah like a pressure Let's describe it that way. Wow. So you wake up in a great mood all the time. I love <laughs> My partner loves me. So uh, Schoenberg was, was really picking up steam and then this happens. What was your mental state? Your, your musical identity was just destroyed. I, I would imagine yeah. destroyed, which is a heavy word. No, that's to a use. fair statement. Um, they got a replacement. Jake, Jake Gerstle. Excellent, dude. I, I actually gave him a voice, vocal lesson. I did a guest vocal spot on Apis, which came out in 2016, which is years after this, for uh, Schoenberg, um, and thus spoke Helopolis. And as I was doing research for this, I was like, I don't even remember where I recorded that. I have no memory. Just fucked up. I don't oh, remember dude, where I recorded blows. it at all. I don't remember. Uh, but take me to like changing your identity and, and your mindset of this was going to be something and now it's gone. Yeah, so I'm I'm lucky in the regard that I always did photography 
and video work on the side just for my own interest, like filming my own band touring, just make sure we had promo and stuff like that. Um, as soon as I realized I wasn't going to be able to keep going with performing metal vocals, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I can do music again at the moment. Cause like I said, Schoenberg was pretty special. Um, so I decided to go down another rabbit hole. So I started doing music videos, concert photography, tour photography, festival photography, just whatever. So I probably did, I think, 60-plus music videos. Holy shit. Okay, very interesting. What, what, what's your production company called for that? Uh, it's it's just Colby Cadell Photo and Video. Amazing. Um, and, yeah, like, I don't do as much anymore. I just kind of occasionally pop out. I'll do photos for, like, I do video work and photography for Dis and Tomb sometimes yeah, here. I love them. Jordan. Well, being, being double, hometown double boys. Double love them. Yeah. They're so good. So nice. <laughs> they're hometown boys, so, so they're, they're really cool and they're, they're, you know, very local, which is great. Um, I've worked with, like, Colin Jeffs, the older version's crown vocalist, on one of his mm-hmm. side projects doing a video for that. And interestingly enough, he's another Colin, and now he does video production for a living. So shout out to shout out to Colin. Um, so yeah, it was, it's it's sort of a trip out, and that's how I got to like Europe, getting over to Germany. I was doing photography at Euroblast Festival. Um, did like did like thy art pull you out for stuff? Considering your your history with them, I've I've I've, I've always kind of like I actually helped with like setup on one of their older videos, but. Yeah. The the funny part of that crew that I grew up with, those guys, there's like three or four of us who all became videographers. Ah, yes. <laughs> so they had more than enough people and I was doing enough of my own stuff. Um, it would have been sick, obviously, because it would course, be yeah. very, very fun. You got to yeah, um, work with your friends, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. That's the best part of everything. So now oh, for sure. Monsters Around Us is something yeah. that 2018, I want to say, is something, but I'm sure you had that kicking around before. People that don't know what Monsters Around Us is, uh, give them like a pitch, my most, and it's hard, you're hard to define. <laughs> it would be, would be <laughs> my good description. Good or bad thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. I, I, I consider that a good thing. It's hard to define. It's glitchy. It's it's electronic music. It's heavy as fuck. How, how would you describe Monsters Around Us? Um... Yeah, you're pretty on point. It's kind of like um, when I decided to get back into music and I just wanted to do something instrumental, mm-hmm. I thought, best way to start out, let's just make this a tribute project to Aphex Twin. Pretty much Aphex Twin, Square Pusher. I'm like, that's that's this, this is just my shout out to those guys. That shit was legendary when I was growing up. I love the hell out of it most of my life. Um, and then as it developed, so did music during that time and you've had things you know like the doom soundtrack from mick gordon um shout out to mick he's also a local dude he's in brisbane so <laughs> shout out to mick i love the, the the connectivity yeah 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 no it's a very small place so um yeah no um he kind of changed the landscape for what you could do with extreme electronic music by adding a lot more heaviness i know industrial bands have done that sort of thing for a very very long time but it was the way he implemented the heavy music. And I was like, all right, I want to do something involving more metal work, but I don't want it to be a ripoff of Doom or something like that. You know, I want it to be its own thing. So I decided let's take all of that love of Aphex Twin, drum and bass, old Scandinavian house and IDM and stuff, and let's mix it with things like Emperor and Zyklon. <laughs> 
and stuff like that and take those really extreme dissonant riffing styles with a lot of um, sliding chords and stuff and apply that over less conventional beats. The thing being is, irrespective of, of whether people agree or disagree, blast beats, fast techno beats... They overlap with each other perfectly. They overlay. There is not much difference and you can interchange between them quite quickly and it doesn't affect the sound massively or, in my opinion, create too much of a, you know, freak out for your brain. It's just a matter of riding that wave and finding that right edge to um, have both of them in a track. Um, But, yeah, it sort of just started out as a crazy project for that. Um, It wouldn't have happened, and another shout-out to Remy um, Gallego, the algorithm, if people know that guy. I love it, yeah. Yeah, so Remy's the dude who kind of showed me how he does his stuff. Um, Last time I was in Europe, I stayed with him in Berlin for a little bit and got to see him working in his little studio there. And I was like, all right, I think I can kind of tackle this. Not to the level you are, but I think I can tackle this. Um, And yeah, that kind of changed my perspective. And I was just like, that that was the point where I was just like, yep, I'm going to do something. And then I think... Probably by the time I came back from that Euroblast, I had the first EP ready within six months or something. Wow. And did you, was it like, really, was it like, I'm going to create a new project or was it just a song by song thing that grew into a project? I'm a, I'm kind of a conceptual person. So I work in like threes and fours and stuff. So everything has to still have a flow. Um, it's not just one track, it's two or three tracks and how... I already work, kind of work out the sequencing with the structure in my head before I start even building it. Um, it's a, a little bit hard to describe, uh, so I do apologize. Um, but yeah, the way my brain works, I kind of get the ideas of some of the beats, some of the structures in the back of my head before I'm even actually putting anything down in a program or programming in MIDI or anything. Um, and it can get stuck in there for days. And I can build that out before I've actually gotten in the program. And then I'm like, okay, I need this layer, this layer, this layer. And usually within about five or six hours, I can punch out two and a half, three minutes of a track to like 80%. And then it's just going back through and adding synth layers and more extreme electronics and replacing, you know, um, a sample drum kit, replacing their kicks with triggered electronic kicks off those. So you have that thing where it'll do a double kick pattern but then it'll have a like a weird glitchy thing that's actually the double kicks but it's triggered by something else and it's all just doing all that side chaining and stuff and working through it and that's sort of how it builds itself after that same with riffs like i don't i don't approach it like metal where you're going okay i've got to write all these riffs first i start building beat structures and things and i work out where real drum kits can fit aligned with that and then i write to the drums as opposed to writing stuff and I, I actually heard about that the first time with um, it was a band, but they were like a noise core kind of band. Um, and I remember reading an interview and it's like Dillinger chaotic stuff, but they talked about the writing process and they wrote the drummer would write everything first. Wow. See, that's, that's super strange. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. And then they wrote to the drums. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's interesting because for, for the electronic, the, the extreme electronic music, I can imagine the beats coming first, but coming from like, let's say Cryptopsy, it, it flow wrote the whole song first and then we had to match his drums. I think that would be strange. It'd be an interesting experiment. Yeah, I reckon I reckon you could do it. I know we can do it because typically when we write songs, we're, we're like, there's riffs 
And then Chris is like, okay, that's uh, this beat. We have like names for all our beats, like two-pack, fast two-pack, blast. There's all the names type thing that they, they mm-hmm. typically pull out. And that's like, okay, this is a flow. This is a blah, blah. And then flows. Oh, okay. And he knows because of the tempos, right? So there's different tempo changes in Cryptops. And there's like tempo grids that we have to stay within to match what flow plays typically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's super interesting. Uh, I, I, we should try it. I think I think it's very cool. Uh, I was a part of one of your tracks called Bullet Press. Uh, Jared Klein from Rivers of Nile played drums. So how did that work with the creating the drums first and then having Jared be a part of it? Um, so I did that one. I did it a little bit more inverse. I knew the tempos I wanted and the changes and then just tracked it to a click set to that. Sent that to Jared with nothing and then no 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 drums and i'm like this is you just do what you want you know work it out um jared is a complete legend i love that human um he's an amazing guy and he was very very cool in the fact that when he sent it back i was like oh there's two like track length files and it was literally just like to the grid perfect (laughs) everything and i'm like i could literally just slot it in place and didn't have to edit other than like one or two little bits you know to fit with the electronics where i needed it i think that's amazing yeah no he's a he's a very 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 competent drummer that's for sure so so monsters around is very different from schoenberg from vocals to to doing everything um what is that process the big difference like obviously you're not writing you weren't writing the music for schoenberg but is it more freeing having less people involved? Is it is is this the closest thing to your identity because it's just you, like you as a human being in musical form? Yeah, without sounding pretentious, yeah, it is definitely. I feel like this is in essence more what I grew up with and what I loved because probably favorite extreme metal stuff was Suffocation, you guys with Cryptopsy, Zyklon, as I already mentioned. Um, and then on the electronic side with Aphex Twin and Ortesha and stuff, um, yeah, it was a pretty natural flow. Um, sorry, I'm getting off. I'm getting off track here. That's my fault. What was what was the question again? I'm, I need to come back. No, no, it was, it was a very loose question. And then the follow up to it is: Do you think that since you loved all this back when you were doing Schoenberg, was the technology there, and would it be able to handle your ideas that you're doing now, or has technology's advancements allowed monsters around us to exist more easily oh i wouldn't have done it back in the day i i'm not gonna lie like if i had to do it the way apex twin and stuff did it where i have to have a thousand drum samplers and a studio of synthesizers and stuff i no i one money those things are so expensive (laughs) now even comparatively to back then um so yeah it's definitely a thing where the times have brought about my ability to be able to do this project when i play live I don't have amps. I don't have anything other than laptops, MIDI controllers, my guitars, and I literally run um, a guitar sim called Auto Audio 1111 Live and use that straight DI'd into the PA and I mix everything and control it because I need to be able to control the mix on everything because it is so electronics heavy. Um, And for the sound guy, it's just left and right, turn me up, don't make a clip, and that's literally the extent of most sound guys involvement with my sound <laughs> when you created monsters around us did you ever imagine performing live was that something that ever was in your in the back of your mind 
as this was coming to fruition? Not, not really. I'll be honest about that. Um, it crossed my mind a little bit, but it was something where it was more trepidation because I've always had five people around me, four people around me. Um, and the first time, a couple of times I did it, it was all right. I did it purely as an electronic project. Laptop, MIDI controllers, mixing, samplings. Yeah, no guitar. Um, and then I decided in, like... God, November of 2018 was when I was like, yeah, I'm going to add guitar. Let's, let's, let's finally put the heavy in. And then I got the perturbator support slot for Brisbane like three months later. So I then wrote another three track EP, had to rewrite the set to have guitar in every song. Wow. (laughs) And then decided to pretty much play guitar for the first time in my life, properly in front of people, probably in about 18 years doing that support, which was also intimidating because it was one of those support slots where it's just a guest support. So you have to do like 50 minutes. Yeah. And then it's the headliner. So it was just me then headliner. So it was like, Oh God, I have to write new material just to fill the set out. Cause I wasn't ready for that much commitment at that point in time. Um, but it was very cool and it worked. So I can't be upset. You think about bands like Igor mm-hmm. when initially it started off more as like a one person idea. And then it's yep. built into a full band. Is that something you can ever imagine happening for you? Um, that, let's say yes, and it is. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm sorting it out at the moment. Nice. Very exciting. What What would you need? Which members would you actually need to, to make it interesting and creative and probably like will influence the future of the band itself, the project itself, because the songs you're going to be more like inspired Mm -hmm. to create music with hypothetically with their input, if that's even an option. Yeah. So at the moment, the plan is kind of take it more like Igor did where originally it's just a live band where I'll still be writing and composing everything. I might get them in for tracking certain things. Um, Particularly like, I won't lie. I'm a pretty good guitarist, but I'm not a great guitarist. And if I can get someone who can track it three times better than me to track it, then I don't really mind. It's an electronic project. And more efficient, not faster, but more efficiently is the right word. Well, exactly right. Um, so I think they probably in the future there will be more involvement. Um, I won't name anyone yet, but the guy who's going to do bass live will be probably playing bass on the new EP that I'm just finishing up at the moment. Um There'll be a second guitarist who's a good friend of mine from Brisbane and he plays in a couple of bands here. Um, and then a drummer who has played for Alarum before, if anyone knows that band. They used to be on Willie Tip, so Alarum are like um, Australia's version of like Cynic or Atheist, Ooh, but sweet. a little bit heavier. Super proud. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Very, very cool. Absolutely. I am. Um, O-X-X-O-X-O-O-X is also a dope as fuck. <laughs> Metal Architect, you are correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm also lucky enough to have seen Igor live, um, thankfully. I, I saw, well, well, not with the band, sadly, but I did see Igor back when it was just um, him on stage with uh, the original male and female vocalists. And that was, I mean, that was amazing enough. So with a band, shit, <laughs> it's going to be ridiculous. I'm doing a big segment um, called Fight the Hops. Yep. Where I ask my guests a short-term goal 
something they're hoping to uh, accomplish, something they're hoping to succeed in. It could be personal, financial, project-wise, a small-term goal that you hope to accomplish within the next month or two. What are you doing right now Mm -hmm. to fight the hops? Trying to get back into training properly. (laughs) Exercising again. Hell Um, yes. What what is holding you back? uh, Partially myself, um, just being hopelessly busy at the moment. You know, we all hit hit those points where you've been trying to maintain something for a long time and then you just like slam for three or four weeks and lethargic and don't want to deal with everything else. You're just like, I need to get through this next month. Um, but at the moment now it's literally the main thing I want to be focused on is finishing up the EP that I just want to get that done. Pretty much most of it's, it's like 95% there. I need to retrack one or two guitar parts that I know I could do better. Um, and then pretty much after that, it's mixing. I hope Maybe I might have a guest part on it, um, but we'll wait and see. I can tell that to you off air. <laughs> um, Sweet. See, when, when we wrap up and we're just hanging out with the Thursday Thursday gang, you can let everyone know. Um, but, yeah, that's sort of like a, a wait and see because they're a pretty busy person. So, um, But other than that, yeah, it's just sort of getting last pieces in place. I've sent the concept ideas off to the guy who does my artwork. Um, shout out to Jeff. Jeff is like a really sick comic artist who I just found through Twitter. He was doing, um, if anyone knows the director, Neil Blomkamp, the guy who did yeah. like District 9 totally and that. Love his Chappie and Elysium and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so his side studio for a bit, Oats Studio, were doing these short films. And Jeff did a um, bunch of like concept posters for those short movies. And I just saw Neil retweeting it. It was like, these are insanely cool. Who did this? And I literally just messaged him. And since then, he's done pretty much all of my covers. Don't be afraid to write the message. If anything, the podcast has taught me is not to be afraid to write a message or call someone. Everyone's like, cold calling is horrible. Sometimes it works. It's better when you're connected. Yeah, but people would be surprised. I always say to people, I'm like, they'll ask about, you know, how I got ex guest or, you know, worked with people in the past. And it's like, it's literally just talking to people. Um, you know, most people wouldn't realize the first Schoenberg EP it's, I don't think it's listed on the back, even on the physical copies that were there. And I don't even know if it's on the band camp. Um, it was actually mixed and mastered by uh, Nolly, who was in Periphery as their bass player for really? ages. Our guitarist met him through like sevenstring.org back in the day when he was doing Red, Red Sea's Fire or whatever it was called, his other band. And he was just like, oh, do you want to try mixing and mastering this? He's like, oh, yeah, this is Nolly. Let's do that. And then, like, so he ended up doing it. And he, from our understanding, I think he programmed the bass on it as well because we didn't have Zimmy <laughs> in the band at the time. So, wow. You sort never of, know. you know, weird things happen if you just talk to people. Just always, if you see someone, like, don't be a sweater, but just be yourself. And literally, most people are really comfortable. People are human, right? They just want to. They, everyone wants to connect and be friends. Don't be a punisher. Oh, hell don't, yeah! Don't be a punisher. No, <laughs> no one be a punisher. Don't, no, don't be a punisher. <laughs> hey, what's up, Fox and Hopsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death 
alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. I have one last question for you, but uh, first I would like to turn the table over and open up the floor to the Thirsty Thursday gang that is in attendance with us right now. Who here uh, has a question for Colin? Um, raise your digital hand and I will call upon you and you can ask your question. As always, Phil Dervites from the Whispers from the Void podcast is first. How you doing, Phil? It was great to be with you last Friday at Vis Versa at the after party for the Cattle Decapitation Vis Versa La Petite beer launch. Uh, it was fun, crazy. All of a sudden, it was 3 a.m. How you doing, Phil? Oh, I'm pretty good, pretty good. Just got my apartment, but yeah, pretty good. Question. Monsters around us. If you have to put a tour with, uh, with your project, with who you want to tour? Obviously, lifetime goals would be able to do something with, you know, Aphex or Ortesh or something like that. Um, more realistically, I think it would be actually really fun to tour with something like Three Teeth, the industrial group. Yeah. Um, Because it's got a lot of elements of crossover with what I do. Um, Obviously, it's a hell of a lot catchier and groovier, but there's definitely a lot of crossover with the audiences. Um, I would love to just get out there with Igor. I'm hoping in the future to do some touring, even if it's just in Australia with Remy, the algorithm. Um, that would probably be one of my ultimates. I mean, literally when I started the project, one of the first things I said was like, if I can just play a couple of shows, that would be cool. If I can play a support even better. And I literally did my opening show here, which was like a late DJ sort of set, then did a club in Melbourne, then did a very small show here and then perturbator support. So <laughs> I've played like six or seven shows, but they, it's kind of like the way I've plotted it and planned it. I've just sort of rode the trajectory. I mean, that's nice. That's pretty nice. Yeah, no, it's really, really cool. So yeah, I appreciate you asking that though, man. Um, I, I haven't actually thought about it because yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, it would be sick to tour with a lot of bands. And I think Monsters thankfully can apply to that. Um, oh yeah, the, the, the extra one I have to, say would be the amenta oh yeah that, that would totally make sense with the australian vibe there oh hell yeah and like they're, they're a huge influence on me um i was hanging out with eric and the guys last weekend eric and tim and the band kane um because they were just doing emperor's support in australia which is pretty 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 cool show that right <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a very, very cool show. They were very accommodating. They let me be part of the crew so I could just hang out and stuff and so steal cool. beers. We don't do that. We we, we we taste them and make sure they're safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's safety, right? And safety. Then, we, then we finish and, them. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And, and yeah, and Emperor was sick and they had, um, I don't know if anyone knows the band Shining mm-hmm. from Norway. Not the Swedish one, not the black metal one, but the Norwegian one, mm-hmm. the weird avant-garde jazz With industrial kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know if most people realize, but Jorgen Monkby, the main guy from that who plays sax, 
he's actually Emperor's live keyboard synth and backing vocalist. So I flipped out because I got to meet Jorgen the other weekend and he's literally one of like my greatest inspirations ever. And just being like, holy shit, you're actually in the flesh here. It was one of the few times I ever I kind of fanboyed a little bit because I was like, this guy means a hell of a lot because what he's done in his music and like multiple genres is just absolutely insane. I mean, Jorgen is pretty like uh, a lot with Ishan too. Like yeah, he, did, he did a couple of, of albums with Ishan and like mm -mm. his stuff with the with shining wow like i'm always impressed yeah. of what he can release and even like nowadays he's not doing a lot of sex with shining i'm mm -mm. still impressed with what he can do with that band yeah and he just kind of keeps reinventing it so yeah de de definitely uh a mentor would have to be on there so like <laughs> i would 100 give up anything to do with those guys Nice. My favorite Shining record, hands down, is Black Jazz. Oh, yeah, for sure. For That's sure. the one. That's for me after that. I feel like they, they lost me a little bit, but Black Jazz was right up my alley. So good. Thank you, Phil. Everyone go listen to Whispers from the Void podcast. They're back with new episodes. It's, it's always fun. And, you know, a podcast that was born from Thursday Thursday Gang. I think it's cool. So Colby was also there. Colby, you're up next. We had a great time last Friday at the Vis Versa, where now all of a sudden it was three o'clock in the morning. How you doing, Colby? Not too bad. And yourselves, guys? Very good. Good, good. So I don't know too much about who you are or the music you do there, Colin. I'm definitely going to check. Yeah, no worries. Interested. Pretty cool. But uh, my question is related to where you live. What would be the scariest yeah. thing about living in Australia to you? Like, is it the serial killers? Is it like the the racists I've heard about? <laughs> the forest fire a couple of years ago? Bugs, mammals, amphibians, whatever. A lot of stuff I can say. I'm just curious. <laughs> well, uh, I live in Brisbane, which thankfully is a big city. So I, I, I'm probably more terrified of, as you mentioned, uh, white supremacists and other things like that. Um, don't need that shit in my life. They can fuck yeah, right that. off. Um, but I actually live on like a forest reserve, like a little gully. Um, so at the back here where I am, uh, it's all like 20 plus meter high eucalyptus trees. We get koalas and stuff wow. in our backyard, um, even sick. though it's in the city. Because it's but just just because it joins onto like a huge nature reserve that's in the city, um, but snakes not too worried about. Thankfully, where I am, there aren't too many deadly ones. Um, I won't lie, we do get carpet pythons here, which aren't venomous, but like they're three four meters long, so like Holy the length shit. of a small car. <laughs> yeah, I'm not actually joking. Like legit, massive. No, no, ones Australia is, 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 is a different land. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit crazy. I can do without spiders. I really, really fucking hate spiders. Um, I don't know why. I don't get freaked out by most things, but spiders can go to hell. <laughs> I don't need them in my life. That's the quote right um, there. I don't. <laughs> spiders can go to well, hell. They're just so, they're, they're, I don't know what it is. Like, I understand they have a really good point, place in nature. They deal with certain things. You know, they control other pests and insects, but it's just like, <laughs> I don't need the size of the ones we get here. Like, you know, in Brisbane, even in a city, You can get huntsmen that are, like, the size of, like, you know, larger than a tea and coffee saucer. Like, we're talking pretty, pretty like, you know, bigger than the palm of your hand. Jeez. Yeah. And, like, even if you hit that with spray, it's not dying. It's just going <laughs> to run around like a psychopath for, like, 40 minutes and then eventually die. And it's just like, oh my God. no, I've just got trauma. I've got PTSD from watching this thing stalk my living room for 40 fucking minutes. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's amazing. <laughs> Too freaky. Oh man, it, th- there is a lot of crazy stuff here. Like, I thankfully haven't seen too much of like the insane things that are out there. But I mean, growing up, like where I was, we, we were near the river in Brisbane when I was a kid. So you often get snakes closer to water and sources and whatnot. Um, there would be brown snakes. Brown snakes are like extremely, extremely venomous. Um, You'd think they'd have a more fancy I, name if they were that dangerous. <laughs> No, they literally are just brown in their snakes and they suck because <laughs> they're super aggressive and they will just keep going if they attack. Um, that's why people are just like not cool. And yeah, their venom's pretty full on if you were to get bit. Are those so the ones that keep I, I would happily pass on that. Okay. Yeah, they're one of the ones. So, so there's that and God, there's a whole bunch of other ones that keep doing that as well. We also get, you know, we get redbacks up here. I don't know if you guys, it's like a black widow sort of spider little small little thing but extremely poisonous you get those in cities everywhere you know thankfully in queensland we don't get funnel webs which is what they get in like new south wales and stuff which are those trapdoor style spiders that have like literally the massive huge fangs and they're known to just wander into people's houses and like climb into your shoes and i'm like yeah i could do without that no, no definitely yeah. could do without that <laughs> definitely don't want that. something that mar- marked my visit to australia was the the realization that because when the rest of the world and when you're a child and, and you're being taught about australia you hear about koalas and you hear about kangaroos and when i was touring australia i found out that kangaroos are actually a nuisance and and you guys don't like them basically because they're they're intense and they will attack you and kick you and a lot of people just get rid of them in whatever way they choose to do so <laughs> and it's not well, frowned well, upon i always thought this was funny and I, i'm pretty sure i'm 100 correct australian coat of arms kangaroo and an emu mm, exactly B- yes. both bo- but, both of those are eaten yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think we're one of the only countries that eats their coat of arms which is really really bizarre <laughs> but you yeah, know kangaroos are like a mass pest because um they breed extremely quickly as well and obviously australia has a lot of cattle we have you know dairy products and beef industry and all that um so what ends up happening is if if they increase massively in numbers rather than being in their, their normal sorts of areas of the forest they then work their way into people's like grazing lands for their cows and stuff and they just decimate it in like a week move to the next one it's almost wow. like think of it like a locust or something just move along and wipe the next it's, one it out sounds so. metal, but uh, <laughs> not good yeah, yeah it's like they're cool creatures that they are very cool but yeah like if 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 one was to be aggro it's going to be extremely aggressive at yeah you. yeah i've seen that video where there's like one at a patio window and it's like kicking it and, and they're yep. big they're they're huge yeah they're like as yeah. tall as a they're, human they're, yeah yeah, and, and because they can stand on their tail, exactly. they can get even more height, so it's kind of more disturbing if one were to rear up because they're then getting, like, an extra foot over you then, and you're like, oh, God. Yeah, I, I'd happily pass. You live in an alien alien landscape. Uh, Colby, thank you for, for bringing up the monstrosities Cheers, of Australia. Uh, up next, we got Mike. Mike, what's your question for Colin? So, Colin, um, I guess it's more of, like, a musical suggestion. Um, are you familiar with the Industrial Act author and Punisher? Yes, yes, I am. Okay, perfect. Because like I, I can add. Because I know you were talking earlier about like what would be like a good um, uh, support or like touring like 
package like mm-hmm. i can absolutely see you guys with author and punisher like that comp that oh thanks like, man i yeah like I'm, I'm not super super familiar with industrial but like it, things like what he does with his like entire machine rig where he just makes noises oh, with hell yeah. actual metal machines is crazy but like i can absolutely see you being on a tour with uh author and punisher i think that would be absolutely sick thanks man yeah no that would be um a hell of a trip i think he's been out here maybe once but he only did like a um, it's like a really big sort of like independent art sort of festival down in Tasmania, mm. which is funny because Tasmania, like most bands never play there when they tour through here. Oh, yeah, but there's that artist, the guy that runs the city, right? Yeah. And he has a festival called Dark Mofo. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's a crazy festival too, because they've had like Ulva, um, I think like Dark Funeral and stuff have played at it. Like they have like a weird, like a ritual night where it's all like really extreme black metal and stuff. And it's all done in like, really high-end multi-million dollar produced sort of thing in huge theaters and stuff down there because it's all backed by the arts guys artist he's an artist or something right is that the, the... well he, i think he's an artist and an entrepreneur he owns like mona the gallery down there he owns a bunch of other places yeah that's so cool but i totally agree uh, tristan is, is a very very creative artist author and punisher had him on the podcast and i I definitely also see the the correlation there mike so so you're definitely not far off i had the pleasure of seeing him once i think he was actually on tour with uh cattle decapitation which he's done which Mm -hmm. he's done uh i believe collaborations with travis ryan before and absolutely had him on the record yeah it's like that, that was an absolute experience like i've never seen one man make such like giant noises that are akin to an entire factory just starting up like on stage like it was an absolute tree but yeah i can i can absolutely see monsters around us uh like being on a tour with them i think that would be an absolute treat thanks man and l- let's hope it happens someday fingers crossed yeah. whether it's here or overseas one last question colin before we wrap this up and we just hang out at the thirsty thursday live interview hang um classic vox and hops wrap up question uh it's probably not going to happen to you today but if you had all that what what was it that uh, the copper crab call it? Uh, the dick the, ripper. <laughs> if you if you enjoy too many dick rippers, uh, you might you know end up in a situation where you might have a hangover. So what is your hangover cure? Um, I'm a terrible human at waking up. I I like not as in waking up and being active. I'm someone who wakes up and is instantly too hyperactive, which is much to the annoyance of many people. Because you wake up and you have to get your ear unclogged. So yeah. you jump, you're, you're already jumping around. Well, well, I'm already a hyper person and then like I'll smash way too much coffee as soon as I wake up. So literally anytime I've had a hangover in recent life, um, usual things, water, something like a Barocca. <laughs> get some vitamins back into you um and then literally i don't eat breakfast at the best of times because i'm pretty terrible like that um but just straight black coffee no milk nothing in it just straight black coffee get a cup or two in you go for a walk get sunlight get some vitamin d usually in an hour or so your riders ran you just have to get everything working again. It, it's like it's like you've broken down your car. It's all <laughs> fucked up. And now you've got to sort of like go, all right, yeah, this turns this. I remember this now. I don't know if anyone said that thing where they go overseas or something and don't drive for like a really long time. And then you come back and have to drive. And it feels almost alien coming <sighs> back to it because you're like, 
I've done this like literally for 20 years straight and three weeks away I now feel like I'm driving a boat or something and sort of like, <laughs> like yeah, that's, that's, that's the closest I can you're get back, to you're back, you're back on the yacht. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Colin, thank you so, so much for hanging out with me and the Thirsty Thursday gang. No, thank you. Uh, talking about life, music, and craft beer. Everyone go check out Monsters Around Us. They drop tracks very frequently he's working on a new ep uh with a killer guest that he's about to announce to the thirsty thursday gang had you been here you would have found out who we hypothetically might have on his new ep uh colin thank you so so much thirsty thursday gangs make some noise unmute yourselves thank it you. never fucking works but i'm gonna do it every time because it always makes us laugh at the end and it's a perfect <laughs> ending for these thank you so much make some noise thank you legends i appreciate it Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right today. I know that I love and appreciate that. Man, do I love Thirsty Thursday Hangs. Just so goddamn fun to connect with these wonderful humans that I've been friends with thanks to a global pandemic. I love hosting interviews with the Thirsty Thursday gang. They always ask super insightful questions, stuff that uh, sometimes I don't even think about. Massive, massive cheers to Colin for hanging out with us, uh, for being awesome, for being creative, for doing something completely different in his life once he hit a wall with what happened to his voice. I think it's very interesting what he's done. I love his project. I love Monsters Around Us. If you have not checked it out, you most definitely should. It's all over the fucking place, and I think you're going to like it. Massive cheers to Colin for hanging out with me. I truly appreciate it, bud. I can't wait till next time. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week that contains all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You will get to see which episodes I dropped recently. You will get to see which episodes I have coming up. You will get to hear about any projects I have in the works before I announce them to the public. And you will also get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently and which albums Jerry Monk, Vox and Hops' metal architect himself, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist. I don't know how he does it, but Jerry always finds the best new music, puts it on the Brutal Awakenings playlist for all of us to enjoy. Now, there's always a lot of things going on in the world of the Vox and Hops metal podcast, and I hate when you miss a single thing, so please do me a favor and sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hops metal podcast is brought to you by Sound, Talent, Media, and Evergreen Podcast. I hope you have a killer rest of the week. I will be back next week with a killer episode with Vicky Sarakis and Robbie J. Fonts of Six Sense. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey, you. Did you have any plans this year? Ha! <laughs> How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.